This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2 2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Yes, it is time for a little A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for game two of this four-game set between the Athletics and the Detroit Tigers. And the A's... Well, they are red hot, and we've got a great show for you today. Roxy Bernstein from ESPN, and of course, a broadcaster for the A's and the Pac-12 Network will join us. And I believe, Commander, this is his first Saturday game of the week for ESPN. Is that correct? I guess we'll have to find out. When I talked to him earlier, he told me that he was in Utah, so I don't know, maybe he's calling from a hotel in Utah, but uh, maybe he's there for college baseball tonight. Uh that sounds like like that sounds like Pac-12 to me if he's in Utah. <laughs> that might be a battle of BYU versus somebody or the Utes. Uh, so we'll talk to Roxy Bernstein coming up here. You're going to hear from today Ramon Laureano, the Razor. And you're going to hear from Robbie Grossman. It was great to catch up with Robbie earlier today. You know, as as he even said, it's, it's, it's good to hear a familiar voice. I mean, because... You know, let's face it. I mean, we haven't seen any of these guys anytime soon. And, you know, Robbie has moved on to the Detroit Tigers, and we wish him all the best because he was always good to us when he was here with the Oakland Athletics. And uh, he'll have some nice things to say about you, the fans, and about being back in Oakland and playing against the Oakland Athletics. But the number one story going right now is this win streak. And it shouldn't be surprising because this core group loves to win in bunches. They had a nine they had a nine game winning streak last season. They had an eleven game winning streak in 2019, and they had six additional winning streaks of six games since 2018. So the fact that they're on this winning streak, the second longest in baseball, uh. Tell me, Cody, have the Dodgers Dodgers play tonight against the Padres? Oh, they do play tonight. Fernando Tatis Jr. back in the lineup for the Padres tonight. So we're going to say, but yeah, the Dodgers uh, just steamrolled through Colorado, which I, mean, I think everyone expected to happen anyway. But yeah, they're, what are they, 11-2 now? 10-2? I think they're 11-2. It's pretty impressive. Uh, let me tell, I'll tell you, they're, they're, they're in the notes right behind us. They're 11-2. They've won six in a row. The Padres come in, they're nine and five. So it's the battle of the National League West, the first of 19 games against these division rivals. You know, I know that the Dodgers and Giants will always be linked. But from a competitive standpoint, and hey, let's face it, the Giants have got off to a better start than most people had thought. But. The way the offseason went with the Padres basically winning the offseason, followed by, I'd probably say the Toronto Blue Jays were second. But the Padres made a statement. 
they've ponied up a ton of money, which made you realize in Major League Baseball circles that these franchises are cash rich. Uh, I sent Cody a earlier today a text about how every single team is well worth over a billion dollars. So these teams can say they lost money during the pandemic. That is true. When you're not able to collect the money for the gate, when you're not able to collect the money for parking, I mean, you know, all that. Hot dogs, beers, merchandise. But in value, every one of them rose. It's like owning a house. You may have you may have to do some things to your house in 2020 that cost you money, but your house in value went up big time. And when you've got the Padres throwing out two different contracts to Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. of over $300 million. They've invested over $600 million in just two guys. Then they're like, bring me on you Darvish, bring me on Blake Snell. And don't forget, Hosmer has a contract that I want to say is for like around $145, $145 million. That's correct. So you're paying a lot of those guys. Plus, remember, they signed how many relievers in the offseason? Then they weren't major deals, but still, they signed a bunch of guys. Melanson, Keona Kelly. They signed a lot of guys this offseason. They signed the Korean shortstop, uh, Kim. They gave him like $26 million. So it's not like they were just uh, bringing in, extending uh, Tatis and like, oh, that's it. We're, not, we're done. They were spending money left and right this offseason. They, uh, they have almost $800 million committed to three guys. If you take Hosmer, Tatis, and Machado, now obvious Hosmer's been there now a couple years, but if you took all their contracts together, you're basically around $800 million well, they're on paying three a, guys. And they're paying a lot of Darvish's contract too. So, uh, that's so there's it. money. <laughs> they're, they're, don't tell me there's not money in the game because they wouldn't be doing that. So that's going to be interesting to see this series, their first of 19. But I, 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 am, I am looking forward to tonight to watching Frankie Motas to see what he backs up from his last start if he can do what Sean Manaya did. Because Sean Manaya backed up what he did in Houston last night with another solid performance. Sean Manaya went six innings, gave up two runs, struck out seven, and number one, Cody, didn't walk anybody. And last night in the uh, A's Clubhouse show, if you're listening, and I forgot to tell you about this, Cody. And maybe you might want to contact Robert to see if uh, Robert has cut it up. But Shamanaya last night talked about conviction. And for really the first time in his career, going out there and pitching to win. He's got convictions with his pitches. He's coming into his own. He's coming into his prime. And what did we see last time with Frankie Montas when he took on Houston? He went out there to win. He went out there to dominate. He just pounded the strike zone with his fastball. And I, I have a feeling we're going to see that again tonight. Frankie, I, I know you love your split. You got the breaking ball. But your, your number one weapon that right arm is the fastball. Come out and pitch with conviction the way you saw your teammate, Sean Manaya. And just like 
the lineup is getting hot, maybe the starters can start feeding off of each other. Because the lineup's feeding off each other right now. And really one of the best stories in baseball is Jed Lowry. I think there's no question about it. In the last six games, Jed's hitting 478 with 11 RBIs. And he's driven at least one run in in all of those games. I mean, no one saw this coming. The guy appeared in nine games in two seasons. Only seven at-bats for the Mets. I mean, he's putting up MVP numbers. And I don't want to sound like a homer, Cody, but I mean, how can you not say through this first start of the season, he is not one of the best baseball players in Major League Baseball? How do you not? The numbers, the numbers bear the, they bear fruit. Yeah, I mean, what he, yesterday was also his fifth straight multi-hit game, which matches the longest streak of his career. Um, he's hitting 348 on the season. He's going to be 37 this weekend. It's not, he's not turning 27. He's turning 37 this weekend. Now, if it wasn't for Ronald Acuna Jr. for doing what he's been able to do so far with the, the Braves, he had another big game today with a couple runs driven in. Uh, I think more people will be talking about how great of a year Jed Lowry's having because, I mean, it's no one saw this coming. I mean, and, uh, you know, I listened to Bob Melvin talk about him, and I heard Mark Hanna's answer on him last night, which I have if you want to get to that, talking about Jed and how he, you know, he's talked to Jed about hitting. Just the way everyone talks about Jed and you know, what the influence he's had on the clubhouse, it's showing. It's kind of like Elvis Andrews and helping Ramon Laureano with stolen bases. Jed Lowry's his infectious hitting is helping a lot of guys like Canna and everyone else start to hit the ball a lot more, uh, and it's it's great to see because the A's been lacking a second baseman now since Jed left, and Jed's back, and it's showing that uh, he loves playing here in Oakland. Well, play Mark Canna's cut. If you're going to tease it, you got to play it. Okay, I, I I don't know. I don't want. I don't like to cut you off. Right, here's Mark Hanna on Jed Lowry. Um, kind of just looks like Jed being Jed when, like the like an 18 and 19. It it wasn't any different those years. Um, had a couple of really good years for us in those years, and he's doing the same thing now. And I'm not surprised at all. And I mean, not you know, not only that, he's he's an awesome presence in the clubhouse. He's I I pick his brain personally all the time for for hitting stuff and ask him little questions here and there and, and try to try to learn what I can from him. Cause he's a great um, baseball mind and great, especially when it comes to hitting. There you go. And boy, is Mark Canna, you know, you talk about a guy who's carried the load. I mean, Mark Canna since day one has brought it for the Oakland athletics. I think there is absolutely no question about that. I mean, you look what he's done with an on-base percentage of 419, a slugging of 480 for an 899 clip from your leadoff hitter. He scored 14 runs in 13 games. Mark Canna has delivered. Before we call Roxy, I want to give you this. With another RBI today for Jed Lowry, he would match the longest RBI streak by any A's player in the past 15 seasons. There's two guys that had seven-game RBI streaks. So they had an RBI in seven consecutive games. 
who am Ooh. I? Oh, okay. I feel like these are going to be either really obvious or you're going to have to know. You're going to have to watch a lot of A's baseball over the last 15 years. For some reason, Brandon Moss comes to mind for me. But I'm, I feel like that's wrong now the way you're looking at me. No. Uh, okay. So if it's not Moss, uh, Tejada. Oh, 15 years. So no, it wouldn't have been Tejada. So it was. No. Cespedes. Yoannis Cespedes did it. In 2013. Trying to think who else has had a really, really big RBI years for the A's. Who am I? I don't know. I'm, I'm blanking on the other one. I feel like there has that been a would lot be, of, huh? I feel like there has been a lot of RBI guys. I, I mean, I feel like I want to say Jed, but I don't. That's Jed Lowry, yeah. 2018. The 99 RBI year. I was thinking about him because that's like the next highest RBI number I remember for the A's was the 99 he put up that year. It's it's. I know no one nationally is really going to cover us, sadly. And now that Matt Vaskersian is doing Angels games, we're not going to get the love that uh, we normally get on MLB Network. But um, this story is incredible. The Jed Lowry story is just, you can't make it up. I mean, guy was basically done. I mean, who, other than the A's, who really would sign Jed Lowry back? I, Who would actually give him a shot? I don't see a team actually doing it, uh, mainly because teams, not many teams would want a 30, almost 37-year-old guy who had two bad knees. But, I mean, if you look at Jed's numbers in his six years with the A's, a two seventy two average, 62 homers, a whopping 175 doubles and 332 RBIs. And his seven seasons with the Red Sox, Astros, and the two years with the Mets, two forty four average, 44 homers, 87 doubles, 189 RBIs. The guy loves to play in Oakland. That's for sure. And you're right. No one else would have taken a flyer on him. Uh, I mean, there's – I mean, look at it right now. Edwin Arconacion probably has the most – one of the – he's probably – if you're looking at power, probably one of the top ten guys in the league for power. He doesn't have a job, and he's in, in his late 30s. I mean, Nelson Cruz is still in home runs at age 40, but there's rare exceptions. So, yeah, I don't think a team would have taken a flyer on Jed like the A's have with the minor league contract they threw at him and – here he is leading the team in pretty much every category. It's amazing. It, it is. Uh, it's one of the best stories I think I've ever covered. I know we got a long way to go, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse. But, I mean, what he is doing, once again, he's hitting 478 with 11 RBIs in the last six games. And I don't think he's going to slow down. I mean, think think of the hunger and the passion that he has after losing two years of his career. Roxy Bernstein is with us here as he joins us every Friday on A's Cast Live. I hear you're in Utah, so I'm going to predict you're either doing the Utes or BYU Pac-12 college baseball. Uh, close. You know the motto from Fletch? You go to Utah, you stay in Utah. <laughs> no, I am here for spring football, believe it or not. I'm doing the Utah Stop spring it. football game tomorrow on TV. Yeah, oh I am. Oh, God. A glorified two-hour infomercial for Kyle Whittingham's Utah football team. you got to be kidding me. They're, 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 during COVID, they're doing spring football games? I can't make I can't make this stuff up. And we're on TV. And I, I, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I'm working with uh, Terrell Burgess, 
former Utah defensive back who currently plays for the Rams. Uh, he's going to be one of my analysts tomorrow, plus former Steelers linebacker Sylvester Stevenson, who also played at Utah. So I'm looking forward to it, actually. And look, I didn't get to call a football game in person, Chris, last year. Every game that I called was from my house. So it'll be nice to be in a stadium. It's sold out uh, in terms of the allotted <laughs> tickets that they had. They, they, they sold 6,500 tickets. That's how many people they were going to allow in the building. And they've sold every single ticket for the Utah spring game tomorrow. Well, their head coach, you know, I got to do a couple sideline games for yeah. your beloved, for, your, for uh, no, it was for Comcast. And I did Cal Utah from. With me, uh, I was in the booth. From yeah, AT&T well, Park. That, AT&T Park. And he was a, he was a really nice guy because some of these guys, some of these guys are tough. Some of these college football coaches are tough to deal with. He was a good guy. Yeah. So, like, so does, like, one side wear – so, since it's Utah, one side wear red, the other side wear white? They're going to go red versus black. So uh, – and, look, they're going to play kind of like an actual game. Uh, they're going to do four 12-minute – quarters uh but the second half they'll just do a running clock in the third and fourth quarter which will help with a noon mountain time kickoff county i can make a 350 flight to go home i uh i'll be you know i'll tape it because i'll be watching a's tiger <laughs> i'll tape don't it don't lie to and, me and don't I'll, lie to I'll me go back and i'll don't review you don't, you don't need to flatter me you're not gonna watch and i can't <laughs> say that i blame you hey i'm watching jed lowry which to me, you know, Cody wants to be, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. fan club leader. I'm saying the best story is Jed Lowry, a guy who hasn't played. Can you imagine? I mean, just think about this, Roxy. Think if you didn't broadcast a game for two years, and then all of a sudden they got you doing the, you know, NFL playoff, you know, like the biggest games. I mean, this is what Jed Lowry didn't play for two years, and now he's back in Major League Baseball. And the last six games, he's hitting 478. It's unbelievable. This story is unbelievable. Well, l- let's do you one better, Chris. Imagine you're in the Mets front office. And after the money you paid Jed Lowry the last two years to see him play a total of nine games. And then in the first two weeks of this season, to be doing what he's doing when he came to the A's on a minor league deal. It's incredible. And if you're the Mets, you got to be pulling your hair out going, what the heck happened here? You know, you paid him all this money. You expected him to be the second baseman. He just couldn't stay healthy with the Mets. But every time he comes back to the A's, it seems like he flourishes and he's just in his comfort zone. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I mean, uh, just uh, if you're from the Mets perspective, what Jed is doing with the A's right now is what they expected him to do for the Mets. And look, and you look at the career and the trajectory of Jed Lowry, right? And if you break down the numbers of what he's done throughout his career, that without a doubt, the best success he's had is in an A's uniform. And there's something about when he's playing in Oakland and the comfort that he feels, but he's been able to stay healthy as we knock on wood, Chris, because realize how critical he's been. But Look, he had some good years in Boston, right? And But when he came to the A's for the first time, he put up really good numbers. What, 13 and 14? He had really good years. Uh, 
especially 13 when he, I think, what, had 45 doubles and hit 290. Then he goes to Houston, and he had an injury-plagued season. After one year in Houston, comes back to the A's. He was banged up in 16. But then in 17 and then 18, he just went off the charts when he was an all-star. And career high in homers and RBIs. And then nine games in 19, didn't play at all last year. And in his first 13 games here in, in 2021, he's driven in 12 runs and he's hitting 348 with an on-base percentage of, uh, what, 540. It is, it, it is a wonderful story. And you know how big a fan I am of, of Cal. You know, I'm a big Cal guy. Ugh. Yeah. You're, yeah. Now a, you're, you're now a golf school, by the way. But I'm thinking of Mark we Canna. Can we, can we and talk, a rugby school. Can we, can we talk about the Cal Bear Mark Canna? And all he does is get on base. All he does is score runs. I mean, it's I mean, you called his games in college baseball. There's no way when you were calling Cal games back in the day, you'd say, you know what? Mark Canna is going to be the longest tenure day. He's going to play center field at times but he's going to be a permanent outfielder for the A's and he's going to hit lead off. You would have never thought that when no. you were talking about in college. Hey, let me be honest with you. I didn't think he'd necessarily get to the big leagues. And look, he was a good college player, Chris, at Cal. He played first base. He was a slugging first baseman. We didn't really see the athleticism. Um, didn't really see the plate discipline that he has showed since he's progressed to the minor leagues and now in the A's organization. But he scored 14 runs in 13 games. He's already walked, what, 10 times in 13 games? And on base percentage at 420? Uh, no, I'd be lying to you if I said I, I saw this coming. And, look, he was a guy that had some power, drove in runs. He was a solid college bat and a really good college player. I, I didn't see this at all. But, you know, the, the people that drafted him for the Marlins, and the great scout, John Hughes, he, he clearly saw something in, in Mark Hanna because when the A's took him in the Rule 5 draft, he was really upset the Marlins let him go because he always felt Mark Hanna had a chance. And once again, a Rule 5 guy. I mean, that the, the odds, and that just kind of shows you how, wouldn't you say, Roxy, Oakland is the land of opportunity for anybody I mean, how many times can you look around Major League Baseball, 30 teams, and you say your longest tenured player is a Rule 5 pick? And not only that, but the way he's playing right now and how versatile he's been. We see him in all three outfield positions. But moving into leadoff spot this year, you and I talked about it throughout the offseason. We kind of warmed up to the idea of Mark Canna being a leadoff hitter. He didn't necessarily see it. And then he struggled in spring training. But once the regular season started, Mark's been ready to go. And the plate discipline that he showed, the ability to work the count, be patient, let other guys see pitches. And even though he's not that prototypical leadoff guy in terms of speed, he is a sneaky base stealer. He can steal bases when he needs to. He's quick. And it's worked out well so far for the A's. And they clearly saw this. And Bob Melvin and the front office saw what Mark Hanna was capable of doing, especially in the leadoff spot. And they felt comfortable, even in, in the loss of Marcus Simeon, that they were going to be okay in the leadoff spot. When is your first uh, Saturday game of the week for ESPN? 
I have another spring football game next week. And then the following week, I get a, I'm going to have the Dodgers and the Brewers uh, May 1st. I'll have uh, – that's my next ESPN Radio Major League game. Well, I have a feeling at some point you're going to have what we're going to have today starting in San Diego at Petco Park, Dodgers Padres, as Fernando Tatis is going to be back. Suppose he's changed his swing a little bit so it doesn't affect his shoulder. Cody Bellinger's supposed to come off the IL with his calf issue during this series. And what makes, you know, as I said before you came on, you know, there's always going to be that history between the Dodgers and the Giants. But right now, because of the way these rosters are built between the Dodgers and the Padres, they clearly are the two best teams in the West. And they don't like each other. That's also what kind of makes it. And we saw that in the playoffs when, when the Dodgers took out the Padres there in Arlington. They just, they hate each other. And this is the first of 19 games I, if there's any rivalry you really want to see in baseball, I think this is the one. And it's interesting, Chris, because it's almost like the Dodgers look at San Diego like, what have you done? You haven't done anything yet. And they're more perturbed and upset and ticked off that the Padres are talking all this smack and coming at them when San Diego hasn't won anything yet. And I can't say that I blame the Dodgers for that. Now, San Diego has been aggressive with the moves they've made to retool their roster, and it certainly is an attractive roster. But I'd also be nervous if I was the Padres about maybe am I rushing Tatis back just because of this series, right? That, okay, he's altered his swing and, and changed it a bit. And is he pushing the comeback a little too quickly in terms of getting back out there because of the shoulder, adjusting the swing? I don't know if that lends itself to a great recipe. I, I I, granted, you want to have him out there because he's your premier player. But, Chris, if it was me, I'd kind of take it a little bit more cautiously if I was the Padres. Wouldn't you? Yeah, ever since I gave him – what? how much did they give him? 300, <laughs> 300 million? I mean, yeah. Because yeah. the last thing you want to do is have something be chronic, right? Someone has a chronic right. shoulder issue. Someone has a chronic knee issue. Yeah, I mean, I understand these games are very important for them. And especially opening up at home, as you said, they, they, they've been like the little brother who's talking a big game to their older brother and they want to back it up. But why would I, I, I don't want to mess with this, this kid's shoulder. I mean, I want to make sure I, I you know, I want to make sure he's a hundred percent. No question. And when you have that commitment to him in terms of the money that and the length of the contract with Tatis, look, he's, He's your franchise player. Yes, you shelled out all this money for people like Manny Machado made the trade to get Blake Snell. But made no mistake about it. You've made Tatis the, the face of the franchise now. And I would play it a little bit more cautious. I'm, I, I'd just be nervous. I would be uneasy about him adjusting with the swing and trying to go out there when, you know, I, I don't know. Look, they know more than I do about his health and physically where he's at, but it would make me a little uneasy considering, you know, the severity of what it looked like the shoulder injury could have been for him. Well, and the Dodgers, I mean, my God, Roxy, I, I, I just don't see anybody. I know there's a lot of hype around around the Padres. I just don't. I see this being nine straight years of winning the division. They're just they're, they're just so they're so deep. You know what we saw from them earlier 
when, you know, they, they took two out of three, but you just start looking at their lineup and you look at their starters and if they could just get shut down bullpen, because that, that to me, that's the one issue is like, okay, how are they going to get those final six outs? Uh, that, that, that's the, that, that, that would be the only fly in the ointment for me when we talk about the Dodgers. And we thought firsthand at the Coliseum, right? When the A's got their first win as the A's came back against Kenley Jansen. And we've seen the inconsistency from him. And you wonder, we've, we've speculated about this for years now, Chris, right? About the Dodgers and how comfortable they were with Jansen closing games. And they keep running him out there. And we were wondering if Blake Trinan would get that opportunity. At some point, you wonder, though, if the Dodgers are going to make an aggressive move and try to trade for somebody, or are they going to ride it out with Kenley Jansen? Because Jansen doesn't appear to be as dominant and as lights out as he was earlier in his career. Have you noticed that there's quite a few teams dealing with weather? And, you know, the Mets have been postponed for the seventh time already this year. Some of these teams are going to start playing a lot of doubleheaders. And those seven-inning doubleheaders, which we've come to love. <laughs> but how about when you see when the Mets showed up in, in Denver and the snowstorm that greeted them in Colorado the other day? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, playing in snow is no bueno. All right, Roxy, have no. a have a uh, a great call. What should I be? What should who should I be looking at when uh, Utah takes the field tomorrow in uh, their spring football game? Oh, the quarterback battle. Charlie Brewer, the transfer from Baylor, is the oh, new quarterback. Wow. He's, he made 39 starts at Baylor. Now maybe the guy in Utah. A couple of running back transfers. And the transfer portal is like the, right now, the, the, the niche word in college athletics, right? If you're in the transfer portal. And they brought two running backs in out of the transfer portal. T.J. Pledger from Oklahoma. Uh, Chris Curry out of the portal from LSU. So this is a team. They're going to have great line play coming up in the fall. Um, this is a good football team, Chris, and they're going to beat each other up. I tell you one thing tomorrow, Utah's going to win and Utah's going to lose. <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, ever since Urban Meyer, they've built a, a, a hell of a program there. What exactly is this transfer portal? So the transfer portal basically is if a player wants out, wants to look for a new school, they enter the quote unquote transfer portal. And that means they're a recruitable athlete, even though they're at a school currently. Now the school that they're at can re-recruit them, uh, but they're free game for any school that they want to go after them. And now with the new rule that was just passed by the NCAA, which is allowing a free one-time transfer that without penalty. So let's say I played my freshman year for um, Utah, for example, and I'm not happy with my situation, and I want to go play for the beloved San Jose State Spartans and that upstart program in Brent Brennan. Talk well, I just submit to the transfer portal, and then I'm free game if Brent wants to come after me. And then if I transfer to San Jose State, normally in the past you'd have to sit out a year. Not anymore. You're allowed a one-time free transfer anywhere without penalty. You know what? I, 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 I am. So you get to do it one time. Yes. You're allowed to do it once. Now the second time, if you transfer again, you're allowed to apply for a waiver. Sometimes it could be granted. It may not be, but the first time you do it, there is no penalty for sitting out. 
You know, I'm so happy to hear that, Roxy, because what I don't think people understand is when you get recruited, everybody makes you a ton of promises. And they come to your house and they talk to your parents and they tell you all this stuff and you want to hear it. But once you get on campus, sometimes everything what they said doesn't come true. And you're like, I'm rotten. I'm rotting on the bench here. And I could go play somewhere else. And you only have one shot at playing, right? I mean, it's just yeah, just a reality. You can't play college sports forever. You only have eligibility for so long. So I've always thought that was horrible that I had to sit out a year to transfer to a better situation because what you promised me is just not working. And I may not like the school. I may not like the environment. I mean, it's like you should have a right to change jobs. You shouldn't be owned by the college. I mean, I always thought that was wrong. The only thing I don't like is it's now gotten out of control. When you look at the Division I college basketball transfer portal, Chris, there's about 1,500 kids in it. And so at some point, look, I don't know what can get it back under control, but it's just way too much of a problem right now. And, you know, and there's something to be said for sticking out or sticking it out in a situation you're in and trying to fight through and learn from the process. And you shouldn't be making just your college choice. I get it that, okay, I want to get to the league, right? I want to get to the next level, whether it's baseball, football, basketball. And if this situation's not the best opportunity for me to do it, I get it. But that shouldn't be the only reason you're deciding on a school, right? And it's interesting that you very rarely see the transfer portal for a kid from Stanford, do you? There's a reason why. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm leaving Stanford in that degree because I want to go to Baylor. Exactly. Yeah, not exactly. Hey, by the way, you don't need to transfer to Coach Brennan in San Jose State. You're not good enough to play for us. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, look yeah, at that yeah. program. We're a football school, my friend. All right, have a good call. We'll talk to you next week. See you, Chris. The great Roxy Bernstein from ESPN and also a broadcaster for our Oakland A's. An old friend stopping by next. Robbie Grossman right here on A's Cat Live. Hi, this is Shamanaya. Shamanaya has no hit the Red Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. So I'm uh I'm I'm wa- I'm watching an MLB network right now. Is this a replay from yesterday, Cody? Yankees in in uh, Tampa? Uh, no, they're playing right now. It's the start of a three game series. Oh, so they're doing their they're doing their Jackie Robinson Day today. Yeah, the teams that had yesterday off, I, I think, are celebrating it today. So the Yankees... I'm looking, I'm going. Why is everybody still wearing forty two? Well, I didn't know Mario Rivera was back with the Yankees, but yeah, no, uh, they're the teams that had yesterday off are celebrating Jackie Robinson Day today. By the way, you want something really weird? Uh, I hadn't noticed it till right now, but I mean, I don't think there's any uniform more iconic than the Yankee uniform. Correct? I literally thought you were going to go there's. They, I thought you were going to say the Rays, but I completely agree. It's the Yankees. <laughs> the, the, the Rays blue top and grays. Yeah, no, I'm, pants. I'm thinking of the black uh, the black top Rays from when they first came into the league. <laughs> uh, seeing the Nike swoosh on the jersey is odd. Like I hadn't thought about that till now, but like. Seeing that on the Yankee uniform, it's like, wow. Boy, can't can't imagine seeing Joe DiMaggio 
with a Nike, <laughs> with an advertisement on his jersey or Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth. I would say you can't see Babe Eric. Ruth. You can't see Babe Ruth in the home run with the big Nike swoosh on him or or, <laughs> no, bu- or, or, or Budweiser patch on his shoulder. Oh, back in those days, it'd probably be a cigarette company. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Tampa beating the Yankees again. The, hey, the Rays, have, the Rays have been beating the Yankees up. They uh, they have the Yankees number right now, and I heard Carl Ravitch on with Buster Olney earlier on his podcast, and Carl was like, you know, they they keep calling the Rays the little brother to the Yankees and Red Sox. It's like, stop saying that. The Rays are better than those teams. They've showed it the last few years. They've been a better team. So, I mean, I know they don't spend the money, but they're winning without spending the money. So, I, I'm tired of hearing they're the little brothers to the Yankees. Until the Yankees take back the division from the Rays, the Yankees are the little brothers to the Rays. I'm sorry. I'm tired hey, of that. Uh, last time I checked, who was in the World Series? Yeah, the Rays were. But that's what I was getting at. Carl Ravitch was like, well, it was only 60 games, and the people are going to say it doesn't matter that they got there and they lost. No, but you guys are crediting all over the place that the Dodgers are the greatest team ever for winning the World Series, but the Rays get there because they didn't spend money. It doesn't really matter that they reach the World Series. Stop. Stop. They, they got to the World Series, and that season mattered. So so the Ravi train tried to say they're the they're, they're still the, the little brother? Yeah, well, it was more Buster saying that, but they were both talking about how the little brother to the Yankees. Okay, I, I was on record as saying whoever wins this World Series is one of the great World Series teams of all time. I mean, anybody who discredits what happened last season is not taking account that all of our players – played in one of the hardest seasons we've ever had. No team in the history of baseball has has played through a pandemic, had to be tested every day, had to only play against certain teams in a region. I mean, everything about last season, no other team in the history of baseball has ever had to go through. So if you think what the Dodgers and the Rays did was not a big deal last year, you're kidding yourself. I will never, ever take a, take away what the Dodgers did last year and give the Rays credit for getting to the World Series. I mean, that was brutal. Think about what the Rays had to do. The Rays never got to play in front of fans, and then all of a sudden they had to show up to the World Series, and they're taking on the Dodgers, who've been living in Arlington for weeks. They've been in the same hotel. They've been in the same clubhouse. They they had their routine down. Rays got to show up, and all of a sudden there's fans. It's all brand new. They've never even been to this ballpark. That was a huge advantage. Oh no, I agree. And what what Yankee what are Yankee fans going to say? Well, we didn't have Judge or Sin. You never have those guys. They're always hurt. <laughs> Randy Arozarena hit three seventy two with six home runs against the Yankees last year. Yeah, he's it, up right now. So this must be just a live look in that I'm watching on MLB Network right now. But you know what? You know I'm always rooting for a good friend of the program. That's Cashy Kevin Cash, manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I want to, I want the Rays to win that division again, just because then everyone will shut up about the Rays. Not, oh, they don't spend any money. They're all your guys only go two innings. It doesn't matter. They win. I don't care if they don't spend money. They win. Earlier today, we caught up with an old friend. Not really that old. He just left us, but always have enjoyed my time and my conversations with Robbie Grossman, 
who is now with the Tigers. Here is the Athletics' former outfielder. It's great to hear from you. How is everything starting the season with the Detroit Tigers? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, it's, it's good to hear a familiar voice. And uh, it's, uh, it's kind of weird being in the Coliseum on the other side. But, hey, I'm going to make the best of it. Well, I mean, obviously you're missed. You know, uh, A's fans loved you and what you did for the green and gold. And, and you know, things always change. But I think you're, you're going to hear it from fans, especially last night and in the, in the next three days. You know, great to have you back. Yeah, it was it was great to see some familiar faces yesterday and uh, be back in the stadium. Um, like I said, it's just a little different being on the other side, but I've I've, I've been on the other side before, and uh, hey, this is this is where it's at, and I'm gonna make the best of it. So, what is it like playing for the Tigers right now? It, lo- it looks like you have some veteran players, but definitely you got a lot of young players. You're exactly right. Um, there's a lot of young guys over here, very talented young guys, and they're uh, learning how to play the game at this level. And uh, excited to be a part of this and excited to be uh, a Detroit Tiger and, and uh, what comes with it and excited for uh, what's, what's, what the future holds. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you, you, you're at a point in your career, you, you, you're that veteran guy now. What's that like with the younger players where I'm sure they're coming up to you and, and trying to learn the game? Yeah, um, it's a different situation than I've been in a couple last couple of years, but it's uh, just um, – just trying to show them how to play at this level and what what it means to be a professional and uh, and day in and day out and and playing the best game in the world. And you know, I mean, you got some really talented young arms, and I can't wait to see Casey Mize on Saturday. Just talk about some of these young pitchers and just how talented they are. I mean, just even in spring training, um, some of the guys that are rolling out there that are 21, 22, 23 years old. I was like, wow. Um, this thing could turn really fast. Uh, they have some really young, talented players, and it, at this point, it's just getting the experience at this level. And what did that mean for you guys to go in and sweep Houston? That had to be huge for these guys. It, it was great. It was huge because uh, it, it, it was even better because of how we responded after losing three in a row to Cleveland. So uh, for us to respond like that shows what kind of guys we have in this clubhouse, and uh, it, it was exciting to be a part of. You know, I've known. I know you've known AJ Hinch for years. What's it mm-hmm. like playing for him again? Now that what he's gone through, is he kind of a change? Is he the same guy? What's it like playing for him? Uh, yeah, like you said, I had a relationship with him before, but uh, I was. I'm not the same player I was when he had me, and he's not the same manager as he was when I had him. I I love playing for him. He's a great man, great leader. Um, just looking forward to. Uh, being a part of this going forward and, and, and being a Detroit Tiger. You know, I, I got to think he is a really a good guy for the job because obviously he's, he's been through situations where he, he had a veteran type club in Arizona. He went through the rebuild in Houston and he's been through the championship years of Houston. Do, do you think he's the perfect guy for the job? Cause he's been through that rebuild and dealing with the young guys leading them to success. Absolutely. Um, like you said, he's, he's had a lot of experience and he's been in the situation before that we're in here and um, just looking forward to being a part of this and uh, and turning this thing around. Well, you got to see it last night and I'm sure you're not surprised, but and I know you've been friends with him for years. 
to see Jed Lowry back with the A's and healthy and absolutely killing it. I mean, the last six games, he's hitting like four, 459 with like 11 RBIs. Uh, and I know you've worked out with him for years. You're probably not too shocked, but how impressed. He hasn't played in two years, and Jed looks like the same Jed that was back here in Oakland. I mean, I'm so happy for him. Um, what he went through the last couple of years, and and I know how hard that was on him, and and just just missing being be able to come out and play. And uh, I'm so happy for him. I couldn't be more excited for him. I was so excited when he signed back with the A's. I said, "That's perfect for you, man." And uh, I just hope he takes it. He uh, cools off in the next couple of days, but uh, I'm rooting for him no matter what. Well, yeah, isn't it strange? Everywhere else he goes, he can't stay healthy, and it's it's truly unfortunate, you know, because we were rooting for him when he left here and, and signed that deal with the Mets. I mean, he deserved it. He earned it. But it's like no matter where he goes, it's just not the same. And he comes back to Oakland, and then all of a sudden he's healthy, and he he, he plays the best baseball of his career. I mean, how do you is, – is there any way to even explain that? I don't know. Um, you don't have to ask him. It, it almost looks like a, just a comfortability thing. And uh, he knows what to expect over here. He's always the <clears throat> the pro in every situation that you can throw at him. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it just makes me smile to see him uh, having success again. You know, one thing that uh, we talk with you and Jed about is switch hitting and how tough yeah. it is. And to be able to maintain your swing – on the left side and the right side, if you could tell our audience just how tough it is and how much work you got to put in versus someone who just hits right-handed or left-handed. Uh, it's a it's a dying it's a dying art, and uh, I'm I love to do it. Uh, it's challenging every day. I couldn't ask for more um, out of a profession. Um, I uh, it's it's very it's a very uh, challenging thing to do from hit from both sides of the plate. But luckily, I have guys like Jed Lowry in the off season that I get to lean on and ask questions and try to soak up information. And that's uh, that's you, you, there's only so many of us left. Yeah, I know. I know. It's kind of weird. It, it is. Is it as you said? It is a dying art. Um, when, when when you think about your your your, your two swings, are they the same swing? Or are your left and right different? I try to make them the same. I try to uh, replicate from both sides so I can feel what I'm doing on both sides. But uh, it's a tough, it's a tough gig. But uh, I, 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 I love to do it. Um, I uh, love the challenge every day, and uh, I couldn't ask for more. Is there one side that you work on more, or you, or do you do it equally? I try to do equally, but um, different weeks call for different different processes, day-to-day, um, who we're facing. There's a lot that goes into it, and that's just another part of the challenge that uh, I really uh, I really enjoy. You know, the one thing that I always like is that, you know what, the other manager, the way he's trying to manage and how they're going to bring in pitchers is someone like you comes up and it's like, uh-oh. You know, you, you can't you can't do that. Well, I'm going to bring the lefty into faith, the lefty or the righty or the right. That's got to make it more valuable for you, right? Knowing that the other man, manager can't match up against you. A hundred percent. And we're lucky enough to have a few guys over here that switch hit, and uh, and it uh, just makes the uh, makes it more challenging for them to match up on us. 
And I got to think, watching this Akil Badu show, you know, when we first saw what he was doing, I mean, a Rule 5 pick has never played above A ball. And first pitch he sees, he hits it out. And he's hitting a grand, he's hitting a grand slam. He's got a walk off. Just what, what what has it been watch like? What's it been like watching this kid get off to a historic start? I mean, it's been great. Um, but the thing is, none of us over here are really surprised because it was like this from the day one of spring training. Um, he's a great kid. He puts in the work. He he works hard. He uh, and he's seen results right away. And and um, you don't see that very often, but. It's happening for him, and and I'm so happy to be on a part, of, be on a team with him. Well, I gotta tell you, it, it, it's great to hear your voice. Continued success. Good luck this year with Detroit, and hopefully, we'll talk to you later on during the season. Be well and be safe. For sure, for sure. Thank you so much, Chris, and uh, thanks for all the kind words. And uh, I'll see you soon. Robbie Gross, I mentioned a kill Badu. Uh, he's slumping a little bit, uh, hitting 323 now. Four homers, 11 RBIs this year for the Tigers. Still has the high OPS of 1,172. The OPS plus of 218 is, you know, league average is 100, but that's really high for, you know, a guy that's only played in, you know, had 31 at-bats. But he's been a lot of fun story for the Tigers to watch so far this year. And Jose Urena pitches tonight for Detroit. Uh, He stinks. I'm curious to see what guy he tries to target and plunk because he loves hitting Ronald Acuna Jr., so I want to see who he goes after tonight. Well, yeah, as he, he, yeah, he's off to a great start. He's uh, 0-2 with a 8.22 ERA. That's not that's not good. I mean, is it? Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. Yeah. That millennial technology doesn't always work. <laughs> I saw it pop up during the interview, and I'm like, uh, does he know his computer's muted? And I'm sure you touch. Well, no, one... I was watching the Yankees Rays game. Yeah, you touch one wire on this on these computers anymore and it throws everything off i was i was telling michael baird our engineer that yesterday i was like he was like where i'm gonna get to set like hey don't touch any of the tech don't touch anything or you're gonna <laughs> screw up my whole broadcast hey um all the stuff being said about jed is pretty amazing like what jed means you know as the veteran sage you know what he means to and listen to Robbie Grossman. They've worked out together for years in the offseason. I mean, Jed has just really become that guy. And that's what happens when, when you go through as much as Jed has gone through in his career. He's had the highs of being an all-star. He's had the lows of not being able to play. And there's so many things that he's able to help you with. And I'm just so – I'm just – I'm really, really happy for him that his career wasn't going to end with just injury and you just got to walk away from the game. Jed, Jed's too good of a guy, and I feel for anybody who you lose your career based on health. You, I mean, when you're done, you're done. But Jed, Jed's too young to be done. I mean, he's got to be 37. But maybe, you know, and I know Bob has brought this up a couple times, Bob Melvin, the fact that, you know, the wear and tear, he 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 doesn't have it from the last two years. Now, he had to have the surgeries. He had to do the rehab. But he doesn't have the wear and tear from, from seasons. And maybe that's one of the reasons why he looks so refreshed. Yeah, I mean, he looks a lot better. And I don't know what it is with 
the A's and being able to find guy take get the most out of former Red Sox players. You know, Jed being a former Red Sox, Josh Reddick being a former Red Sox, who's now back. He signed with I think Arizona recently, so he's actually going to be playing on a team. And then obviously Scott Hatterberg, um, the the only reason the A's won twenty games in a row. If you oh, watch I the mean, movie, <laughs> I don't think that team would have won a game without Scott Hatterberg. But yeah, with this Jed coming back and his. You mentioned his leadership when we played the cut from Arcana earlier, just talking about how he picks his brain about hitting. There's a there's a there's a presence that he brings, and I think Elvis Andrews brings one too. Like I mentioned about Ramon Laureano and the ability to steal bases, and Ramon knows, you know, he's mentioned how big of an influence Elvis has been on on him, and Elvis mentioned how he talked to Ramon a lot about wanting to steal bases, and I think he mentioned Matt Chapman too. Uh, I don't think Chapman's as fleet of foot as uh, Ramon Laureano, but. You know, I wouldn't say he's a bad athlete by any standards, but the leadership these guys have, and even Mitch Moreland coming in to be a left-handed DH, can, you know, can provide some insight to someone like Matt Olson, who is still really young. I know he's won the gold gloves and he's hit 30 home runs, but, you know, Mitch Moreland's a World Series champion. He's won a gold glove. He knows how to hit. I think some of these guys they brought in, and we always hear about, you know, uh, Petit, too, helping these guys. The oh, vet- yeah. The veteran leadership that the club has now, especially with Jed back, is, is tremendous, and you're seeing you're seeing them. How many teams have you seen start the season one and seven, and then go on a five game winning streak, and they're back at six and seven, all within thirteen games? Like the Braves started, I think zero and four, then they went to four and four, and now they've lost a bunch of games again, and they, and I think now they've won two in a row again. So they're they're very up and down right now, where the A's started one and seven uh, or zero and six, either way you want to look at it, and here they are right back in it at six and seven. You know, you make that point of the veterans, and I'm wondering if it's still in the game notes. I'm bringing up the game notes that the A's are not a young team. You know, now that they added all these veterans, when you start adding Mitch Moreland, Elvis Andrus, uh, Sergio Romo, Yasmero Petit, Jed Lowry, they're not a young team. And that was something that, Glenn Kuyper brought up, I want to say, in the Arizona series, uh, G. Kuyper, we haven't had on the show in a while, uh, when Lazardo had the bad outing, he was just being honest by saying, hey, listen, you, you can have those kind of outings when you're a team like the Tigers and you're rebuilding, but the A's are not rebuilding. The A's are built to win. The A's are built to win now. That's why they have such a veteran presence because you have guys in their prime. And I know I say this all the time, but I'm going to say it again. You want guys in their prime. You want veterans, you want winners, and you need young guys to inspire you and get you through 162 games. And the A's have that, you know, Chapman and Olsen and these guys, Canna, these guys, Ramon Laureano, these guys are in their prime. Piscotti who's just gone on the paternity list. So good luck to him and his wife. But then you got the veteran guys, guys who have won World Series. So this isn't, you know, Billy Bean and David Force, they, they don't know the word rebuild. They know reload, but they don't rebuild. Yeah, the, the, the A's are the third oldest team in baseball, according to baseball reference. Only two teams are older. The Giants, their average age is 31 and a half. And the Los Angeles Angels of Disneyland are second. There's, if you round up, they're 31, they're 31 years of age for their average player. The A's is 30. Next is the Yankees at 29.7. So, did you? Uh, did I tell you we got our Disneyland tickets? 
Yeah, I think you mentioned it yesterday. Wasn't very easy. Wasn't an easy process. But we will be going to Disneyland on an off day. So I think we uh, so we so it's going to be on a Thursday. So after our broadcast on Wednesday, I think we're actually taking on the Angels. Going to fly down, go to Disneyland on an off day, and be back. And boy, they're getting you. Only one hotel, the the Grand California Grand or whatever it's called. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's the only one that's open. And I think they're charging between a thousand to fifteen hundred a night. Well, I mean. Disney wants to get its monies back. They've lost a lot of money. Lower-level employees like me can't afford that. but And lower-level <laughs> employees like me are like, you kidding me? I can stay right across the street for far less. Uh, do, you want, uh, do you want some bad news? And you mentioned this to Roxy. You were talking about the Padres-Dodgers series. It just came out. Dave Roberts says Cody Bellinger has a hairline fracture in his left leg. He's going to miss more time. So when we thought Bellinger's oh, – not his calf? No, it's apparently it's a it's – a, Hairline fracture in his left leg is the update. The report I'm just getting from Bleacher Report right now. How long? How long are you out with a hairline fracture? Uh, well, let's see. Zach Gallon had a hairline fracture in his wrist, and he was out. And that happened in spring training. And he came back what? Oh, it was probably a month. Let's see. I'm trying to see if there's anything. I'm on Twitter right now. See if there's any Dodgers beat writers talking about it. But I mean, that's that stinks. I mean, I wanted to see Bellinger play against because uh, Tatis is back tonight. For the yeah, you want to see everybody at full strength. It's like when we're taking on the Astros, you want to see everybody at full strength. Let's, you know, mano y mano, our best against your best. Let's stack it up. All right, coming up next, Ramon Laureano will join us right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, before we get to Ramon Laureano, I just thought of something. And, you know, Cody gets all the credit for the show uh, and coming up with everything. But every once in a while, I may come up with a good point. I want you to think about this as I'm, I'm filling out my the Bible, my scorebook for tonight's game. Mark Canna is going to lead off. Jed Lowry is going to hit second. Ramon Laureano is going to hit third. If you're an executive around Major League Baseball, and you're looking at that, and you're looking at what these guys have done so far the start of the year, okay? Where you got Mark Canna with an 899 OPS. You got Jed Lowry with a 977 OPS and hitting 348. And you got Ramon Laureano with an 806 OPS, stealing bases, and just a human highlight reel. Where I think people need to understand, if you're an opposing general manager, you're looking at this, Mark Canna is a Rule 5 pick. Jed Lowry is off off the scrap heap. And Ramon Laureano was given away by the Astros to the A's for nothing. For nothing. Think about that. Think about this three-headed monster that's Canna, Lowry, and Loriano. Anybody could have had them. These aren't these aren't guys that were number one draft picks that you tank to get. This isn't Bregman, Correa. This isn't Altuve. This is a Rule Five pick, and Mark Canna, 
a guy, Jed Lowry, who hasn't played in two years, and Ramon Laureano, who was just given, I mean, they just gave him to the A's. Anybody could have had these players. And look at that, and look at the production they're giving you to start the season. And with a win tonight, you're back to 500, and you're not even thinking about that bad start. But, Cody, just if you're a rival GM and you're thinking about how you build your team and you look at the A's and you're looking at your top three guys on the lineup, you, you got to go, man, how, how do they do this? It is quite a, it is pretty spectacular to see that the, how the lineup is built. If it was put in a different order, their nickname could be the LLC, the Loriano, Lowry, Canna. See, that's how my mind works. I love alliterate. Or, uh, I love uh, acronyms. Um, the law firm of Canna, Lowry, and Loriano. Yeah, that's good too. The law firm. That's a good one. Um, the the only like the only other player I could, that when you mentioned Ramon Loriano is like the story of how the Dodgers gave up the wrong guy when they sent Jordan Alvarez to the Astros for Josh Fields. They're like, oh, yeah, we, we traded the wrong guy. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, you have plenty of talent. Uh, but, yeah, acquiring those guys for literally nothing. I mean, you got Mark Hanna from the Rockies in a trade from – he was drafted from the Marlins in a Rule 5 pick. The guy was – Mark Hanna, when I did the path project on him, told me that he was thinking about stepping away from baseball because he didn't. He was never playing in Miami. He was blocked by a bunch of different players on there, Yelich, Stanton, Ozuna, JT Romuto. They had a bunch of people there blocking his progression. And then the A's get him, and look what he's done. Every year he's batting leadoff for you. Ramon Laureano is 123 steals away from shattering Ricky Henderson's record. Oh, so will you stop with that? And then Jed Lowry's hitting 348. Why are you so into that? You know, That's never going to happen. Because we all talk about we, how much we want to see stolen bases, so I want to yeah. see Ramon do it. Even, even David Force had to admit he likes stolen bases. He doesn't like caught stealings, but he likes stolen bases. I sent that I sent that audio to our boss, Delarity, who's on the TV broadcast. Like, hey, even David Force likes stolen bases now. Don't talk about Ramon Laureano. Rip up Moneyball. <laughs> Rip the book up, baby, because we're bunting. Hey, Kemp got a bunt hit yesterday. Guys hey, are bunting. Guys are stealing bases. They're walking and and uh and what do you do? And what um, and what 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 are they doing? They get on base. They get on base. There you go. All right, walks. earlier today we caught up with the A's center fielder who's really blossoming this year. Here is Ramon Laureano. Ramon, it's great to hear from you. How's life been treating you? Uh, life has been great. You know, I, I got to complain. I got to think for you and your teammates, this turnaround after the rough start, what has this been like how it seems like the lineup has been feeding off? You guys have been feeding off each other. Uh, yeah, that's how baseball is. Hitting is, pitching, everything. Uh, it's contagious, and uh, we're feeding off each other right now. And I think about the top three between uh, Ed Lowry, I think about Mark Cannon, yourself. Just talk about how that's been like a three-headed monster. You guys have been killing it lately. Uh, yeah, especially Jed. I mean, Jed is really, really doing it. Uh, I mean, he looks like he has never missed time. <laughs> and uh, and he's been such a great help for all of us, you know, with his presence here and then his knowledge about the game, about hitting. And, you know, Mark kind of starting to set the table in that little spot. And uh, he's, been, he's been great for us, you know. He's on base pretty much all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I mean, speaking of Jed Lowry, the fact that here's a guy that has had only seven at-bats in two years, He's been hurt. He's had surgery. He's rehabbed. And to think that 
he already is looking like the guy that was the all-star last time he was here. Are you just amazed at watching him knowing that he really hasn't played in a game in two years? Yeah, I mean, but it does amaze me because the way he works. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because the way he works, how smart he is, uh, how he takes his he takes his time, and you know, he's a very smart guy, very smart hitter, and it's not it's not easy to do that in this ballpark. You know, he has done it for a period of time here in Oakland. You know, when I think about your game and, and what you're able to do. You're really showing everything at the start of the season. Offense, defense, uh, athleticism, stealing bags. Do, do you feel like you're truly coming into your own in this year? I really don't know. I just think about the moment, you know, think about today's day. Uh, I really haven't reflected on anything. I don't think I will this season into, in the offseason. But, you know, I worked on it. I worked on uh, being a complete player just like I have always done and it's just uh, clicking everything, and I hopefully it keeps, you know, it keeps going. And you just got to keep it going, keep being consistent on every aspect. And, yeah, let's see where, where it goes. I, I like how you say that because in this game, if you can stay consistent for 162 games, you, you, the, the metrics around you will be fantastic. The numbers around you, as they say, the back of the baseball card. Just talk about how hard it is to be consistent on a daily basis. Uh, yeah, it's more obviously mental, you know, but <clears throat> it's just trying to obviously separate those uh, failures. I've been doing a pretty good job with that, but it's kind of, you know, just I'm trying to win ball games, you know, so it's just help the team win in every at-bat that I can. Uh, if it's moving the runner or, you know, just kind of like taking a walk, being selective, uh, maybe running hard to first to like, you know, kind of pump the team up and like, hey, we got this, you know, like just little things like that that pump the team up and little, you know, little things like that. But, yeah. You know, you and Matt Chapman, I think you guys are very similar from the standpoint of you guys care so much about winning and in a game, which is all about your numbers and everybody's looking at all these statistics and analytics, you two, you and Matt Chapman remind me of guys who play with like a football mentality. Like you could go 0 for four, but as long as the team wins, that's all that matters. Just talk about how, uh, you and Chappie, it's like every day you guys, you guys come for one thing. It's not about being an individual. It's about winning. Yeah, I mean, it's not something, I mean, we obviously talk about, but we always had that. Not only us two, but, you know, a bunch of guys in our team. We always talked about, and but we have that from the beginning of playing baseball, you know. We just want to win, and uh, whatever the team needs, we're going to win, you know. I just, I just want to win, man. Nothing is more fun than winning. You've been stealing a lot of bases lately. What What is the mentality, and have you talked with Ricky Henderson, and what is the mentality uh, of you on the base pass because you're getting after it right now? Yeah, I talked to Ricky a bunch of times. Obviously, since last, I guess, 2020, spring training, I've been talking because of the COVID, you know, but with Elvis Andrews and the two the two 
individuals they have I have learned so much that it's just now everything is I'm putting it together, you know, and uh yeah, but the main thing, you know, they just be free, you know, be free, be just be you, trust your in, instincts and I I know I, pretty, I have pretty damn good good instincts in the, at the on the field and I just got to use them, you know. Well, no doubt, and, and I think because a lot of people don't run anymore, you know, stolen bases aren't the thing that pitchers and catchers are not as aware as they used to be. Talk about how you're taking advantage of that. Uh, yeah, I understand that, you know, pitchers, they want to strike out people, and they don't want to – they don't care about, you know, the runners, So, which that's how the game is going, obviously. And uh, a lot of off-speed pitches, you know, are throwing – uh fastball is uh less percent than ever been uh so yeah it's a combination of things obviously there's pretty damn good good catchers in the league right now especially in, in our division but uh but yeah it's just taking little things and obviously i worked in the off season with our strength coach josh coffee about stealing bases getting a good job and be more explosive and stuff like that but uh but yeah it's just kind of just Putting put it into play. I think that's pretty, yeah, that's simple, yeah. Well, no doubt making contact is uh, something that it's been, it's been nice to see because we talk so much about the three true outcomes. But just talk about now during this winning streak, when you think about your guys' lineup and turn over the lineup, how just everybody really on the roster is contributing to these victories. Like last night, your lineup, everybody got on base. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, especially, and we did that in uh, Arizona too, in Houston. You know, we came through. Uh, and I mean, the past couple of years, three years that we have gone to the playoff, everybody has contributed. So I mean, that tells you everything right there. There's a, this is a team that the front office constructed. They make the team, you know, like that. Everybody contributes, and that's what we, we've been doing. You know, we have new technology that's showing us how the wind patterns work inside the Coliseum and the swirling winds because of Mount Davis. You know, just tell us, like, at night with the marine layer and the wind, what's it like to play center field at the Coliseum? <laughs> uh, right now, it's pretty cold right out there. Yeah, I know. It's kind of, obviously, it's like 20% fans, so there's not a lot of people talking to you. <laughs> but uh but yeah it's just kind of lonely right now but it's the wind you never know where where it goes there so i don't even worry anymore about that uh <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just been pretty cold right now pretty yeah it's pretty cold trying to stay warm the whole time hey we always appreciate having you on the program be well be safe and let's talk later in the season Thank you. Absolutely. Let me know. Ramon Laureano, your center fielder. And you know what? I just I just texted you, Cody. We should get to layer our boss on to talk about this new technology because Glenn and Ray, well, Glenn was trying, you know, they were ex explaining it last night on the broadcast, but they have some type of weather technology that tells you how the wind is swirling and blowing inside the Coliseum, which kind of makes sense because ever since 
they built Mount Davis, it changed how the wind gets into the bowl. And like right field, there's like a, a tornado effect. Left field, it kind of blows out. And they were showing it last night by feet. I thought that was pretty fascinating because it kind of explains, you know, why, you know, it's easier to hit it out to left field than right field. And then, as you know, I mean, the ballpark is not far from the actual water and the wind at night can just be howling inside the Coliseum. So we should figure out how to get to Lair on and have him ha- and have him explain what this new technology that they have for the television broadcast. I'm actually, as you're, as you're mentioning, I'm texting him right now. Um, asking if he wants to come on and talk about the wind technology, if he's up for it. Do you have any buying or selling before we have to get out of here? Yeah, we got about three minutes, so there's there's one I really want to get to in particular. Okay. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. So I saw this article earlier on ESPN, and I'll save the Dodgers-Warriors thing for another day. But our good friend Kylie McDaniel of ESPN put his article out Call, and he called it uh, the, ranking the top 10 current aces in baseball. Now, number one, Jacob DeGrom, no debate there. Garrett Cole, okay, that's pretty reasonable. Shane Bieber, Walker Bueller, Aaron Nola, Trevor Bauer, ranked six. I think he's better than Aaron Nola, no offense. You uh, Darvish, Steven, I can't say healthy to save my life, Strasburg, uh, Max Scherzer, and Lucas Giolito. That's his top 10. Then he mentioned in there, there's injured guys like Kersale and guys who are in the wings like Kershaw and Lazardo. That would be your honorable mention, guys? Yes. He said Lazardo? Yeah, he has Lazardo in there for left-handed, left-handers. So, no, I have an issue with number eight, but let me see what you think. Strasburg, to me, is ranked too high. In his 12-year career, he's made 30 or more starts how many times? Wait, how many times has he made 30 more? 30 or more starts. How many times has he done in 12 years? How long years? has he been in the league now? Because he's, he's older. 12 years. I'm going to say once. Three times. He's gone over 200 innings twice. He's a he's so. He's led the league in Ks once. The talent has always been there, but his injuries always creep up on him. And remember, he was a Tommy John guy. And he missed all of last year with the carpal tunnel surgery. And he's also not pitching very well this year. He has an ERA over six. Uh, and Patrick Corbin, the other big uh, acquisition by the Nats, he got roughed up by his former team last night too, but that's here nor there. Buying or selling, Steven Strasburg is an ace. Selling? I mean, seriously, can he get on the mound? Can he get on the mound before I call? Hey, listen, what he did in the World Series, great. But let's be honest. An ace is a guy who takes the ball every five days. That's like, you know, it's like call that's like asking if Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton are are <laughs> Cal Ripken Jr. I'm selling. I mean, come on, you haven't ranked higher than Scherzer. The guy bunted a ball off his face and he still pitched. With a broken nose and two black eyes. He had floating he had floating he had floating uh uh chunks of his nose. So bone from his nose yeah. floating around yeah. his sin- sinuses, and he's out there pitching. And this guy, I mean, he gets he Strasburg. I mean, how many times has that guy been on the IL slash DL in his career? More times than he's than he's had three hundred or two hundred innings. So, 
that's all I have today because we're out of time. But I wanted to get to Strasburg because that, that, that one really had me heated earlier when I was reading it. That got you all lit up? Yeah, a little bit. I'm good now. Jose Urena up against Frankie Montas. By the way, Frankie's last outing was fabulous. But remember, his previous eight dating back to last year, one and five with a 9.92 ERA. Frankie needs to start putting good starts together. Right? Shamanias started that trend. Now we need Frankie to get on and Chris Bassett. And, you know, the lineup is vibing together. We need the pitching staff, especially the starters, to start vibing together. Agreed. So I don't have much to say because we're, we're out of time. So, Okay, coming up next, David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, and I'll be back for A's total access in about 10. How many minutes? 15. 15 minutes. We'll talk to you in 15. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.